You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today we're going to talk about understanding codependency. I work with a lot of people who are struggling with codependency that don't fully understand what it means or what needs to happen to heal. So today I'm doing a deep dive into codependency. In working in the field of narcissistic abuse, I've noticed that where there is a narcissist, there's often a codependent. The two go very well together. Much as you hear about the narcissist and the empath. The reason the codependent goes so well with the narcissist is that both the narcissist and the codependent are focused on the narcissist. The narcissist is all about himself or herself, and the codependent is hyper-focused on what the narcissist is doing or not doing, as well as taking care of the needs of the narcissist. The term codependency began as co-alcoholic, which usually pertained to the enabling spouse of an alcoholic. It was the spouse of the alcoholic who picked the alcoholic up off the ground, bailed him out, called in sick for him, made excuses for him and catered to his needs. The co-alcoholic was so hyper-focused on managing the alcoholic that she failed to take care of herself and her own needs. She carried a belief that if he would only stop drinking, her life could be normal. That same dynamic was transferred to any enabling situation in which a partner was hyper-focused on the behavior of the other person, whether it was an alcoholic, a drug addict, a sex addict, or a narcissist. If the codependent wasn't hyper-focused on the other's behavior, at the very least, he or she enabled the behavior by cleaning up the messes made by the other and not holding the other accountable for his or her toxic behavior. Now, codependency is a coping mechanism, just as addiction and narcissism are. The codependent typically avoids his or her inner world and all of its painful emotions by focusing on someone else. She comes to believe that the other person is responsible for her pain. There's also a belief that if the other person changes, the codependent's pain will go away. But what we need to understand is that the codependent's pain is from his or her core wounds and not caused by the other person. Now, it can be greatly triggered by the other, but it didn't originate with the other. And I'm not saying that an addict or a narcissist doesn't do things that are very hurtful. They do. But the toxic behavior of the addict or narcissist is but fuel to the fire of the initial core wounding. Codependency in itself is a sickness, just as an addiction is. 
There is a disease model for addiction that says that a drug addict, an alcoholic, or a sex addict has a disease. That same model applies to codependency. These are all coping mechanisms for our deeply buried core wounds. As children, we learn to push our emotional pain away and dissociate from it because it's just too much to handle. It gets shoved down into the subconscious. We learn methods of keeping this pain repressed. We learn how to distract ourselves from it. Our society enforces avoidance of pain and the seeking of pleasure. The irony is that we seek out relationships that bring us pleasure in the beginning, and yet our relationships are the most powerful triggers of our core pain. Once the honeymoon is over, the core pain begins to be triggered in both relationship partners, and whatever their defense mechanism is, it kicks into high gear. The narcissist will start acting out, the alcoholic will drink more, and the codependent will begin resorting to attempts to manage her environment. The codependent manages her environment by people-pleasing, caretaking, defending herself against attacks, biting her tongue for fear of escalating the behaviors of the other person. She may go into making excuses for the other and even taking responsibility for the toxic behavior of the other person. She may try and clean up his messes, and she may be the one who apologizes in order to keep the peace, even when she doesn't really have anything to apologize for. Now, just a reminder, the he and she that I'm using is interchangeable. We all know that a narcissist, an addict, or a codependent can be male or female. The important thing to understand about codependency uh, is that it's a disease or a condition all on its own. So one who is highly codependent needs an addict or a narcissist in her life to focus her attention on. It's easier for the codependent to believe her pain is coming from outside of herself than within. So she will unconsciously migrate towards people who cause her pain. She may finally get up the courage to leave the alcoholic only to find herself in relationship with another one. Same goes for a narcissist. Although her choices are largely unconscious, the results can be deeply painful. It isn't just a matter of choosing another addict or narcissist. It's necessary to heal the codependent patterns within oneself so there's no longer a need to project one's inner pain onto the other. There's another aspect to codependency. A codependent may appear to be a very solid person who's high-functioning and manages her life very well. And as a result, it's easy to see yourself as the one who has it all together. There may even be a sense of superiority, which is really ironic when the codependent teams up with the narcissist. The narcissist will work very hard to let the codependent know she is the inferior one, in the relationship. Obviously, the word dependent is part of the codependent description. It basically means that one is dependent 
upon another. There is a personality disorder called dependent personality. Codependency is not a recognized personality disorder, but rather is considered to be a dysfunctional behavior. The difference between a dependent personality and a codependent is that a codependent is dependent upon one particular person in their life, where a dependent personality is dependent on a social network as a whole. It can transfer its dependency to lots of different people. A dependent personality is actually much like a child, completely we're talking about the personality disorder, completely dependent on people to do the most bare minimal task in their life. They just have a difficult time doing anything for themselves. This is not true at all for a codependent. A codependent actually can be very high functioning and, and um, do everything for herself and for the other person. A person who struggles with codependency may show signs of low self-esteem, dysfunctional family dynamics, depression, anxiety, stress, inability or difficulty expressing emotions, having a hard time saying no or setting boundaries, reacting with strong emotions even to small incidents. A codependent often feels compelled to take care of others, and feels a need to be liked by everyone. Intimacy issues, fear of abandonment, and confusing love with pity are common traits. Codependents don't have an identity or sense of purpose outside of the relationship. The relationship becomes their focus. Codependents typically self-sacrifice putting the needs of others before their own or catering to the needs of others. They often learn in early childhood that their own needs aren't as important as the needs of others, which set them up to focus on taking care of the needs of others or of the primary person in their lives. Codependency involves feelings of insecurity, low self-worth, shame, and guilt. They often gain a sense of worth by caring for another person, but actually at their own expense and the expense of the family. There's a need to be needed, and so many codependents will make themselves indispensable by jumping in and handling everything for that other person. There's often a belief that if they are depended upon and do so much to help and support the other that they won't be abandoned. Now, we all need each other. We all depend upon each other. We're social creatures, and it's normal and healthy to have some dependency upon others. It's healthy to ask for help and support. We don't want to confuse codependency with healthy dependency. A mutually dependent or interdependent relationship is where both parties have a healthy dependency upon each other. Codependent relationships are usually one-sided. There's an overgiver and an overtaker. 
which is why so many codependents find themselves in relationships with a narcissist. Narcissists are overtakers in more way than one, right? They literally overtake a person. You will also find that addicts have many narcissistic behaviors while they're active in their disease. Codependents are often shocked when they discover that all of their overgiving is lost on a narcissist who at the drop of a hat may abandon the relationship for someone else. The codependent is left with the feeling, after all I did for you, their need to be needed is shattered. The narcissist can go from being very dependent upon the codependent and then transfer that same dependency to another person overnight. This is why narcissists come on very strong in a new relationship and work hard to secure that relationship as soon as possible. Narcissists have a strong need for others, but those others are interchangeable. A codependent, on the other hand, focuses their dependency on one significant individual. Nobody else is going to do the trick. It isn't that the codependency doesn't transfer to other relationships. It does. The behaviors of people pleasing, serving others at the expense of self, denying one's own needs, fear of saying no, and inability to set boundaries carries over into all of their relationships. But the primary relationship is the most destabilizing and is the place where the codependent will focus most of their attention. When a primary relationship ends, a codependent can have a very difficult time letting go of that relationship. They've often built their identity around that relationship, even to the point of sacrificing their own wants, needs, desires, morals, values, and goals. Now let's talk about healing codependency. The good news is that Unlike many of the cluster B personality disorders like narcissism and borderline personality, a codependent can get better. A codependent is capable of self-reflecting and understanding why she is the way she is. It's usually her extreme pain that leads her into recovery. Once in recovery, she can begin confronting her own destructive behaviors and making positive changes. However, recovering from codependency takes time and a lot of hard work. For many of us who are recovering from codependency, we learn how to stand very strong on our own and take care of ourselves very well until we get into another relationship. I know I struggled with this. I could be super independent and self-sufficient and didn't have any strong dependency needs on others. But once in a relationship, the old tendencies began to surface such as the desire to please the other, the desire to serve and care for, and the tendency to put my own needs aside while tending to the needs of the other. I found that I could be very strong on my own, but found weakness in myself in relationship with another, especially if that relationship had elements of addiction or narcissism, where I felt destabilized by his behavior. There was also a desire to step in and help to fix the problem or issue the other person was struggling with, believing if I could fix the problem, 
that I would have the relationship I wanted. And this, of course, always backfired. In the end, I knew I was the only one I could fix or change. And I had to focus on myself. And this is what all recovering codependents need to do. We need to focus on identifying our own needs, wants, and desires and work to taking care of ourselves. We need to learn to make self-care a priority even when in relationship with others. When in recovery for codependency, we need to learn how to say no to others and yes to ourselves. This is not selfish, as we may have been told by those who were vested in our taking care of them. If it is selfish, it's a necessary selfishness. It's self-love. Often those in recovery may have a pendulum swing the other direction, where the need to care for oneself becomes a priority over all else. We may find ourselves saying no to all the things we once said yes to in order to take care of ourselves. And as a result, friends may draw conclusions that we no longer care about them. We're no longer bending over backward to help, support, and take care of others. And people notice this. As recovering codependents, we may lose some of our relationships because the dynamic is changing and others may be dependent upon the old dynamic. For example, if you were always the one who lent a listening ear to a particular friend who always had some kind of drama going on, and then you begin to talk to that friend about what's going on with you, perhaps something that's coming up for you, that friend may not have time to listen. That friend may not be there for you and still expect you to be there for him or her. I see this happening a lot with people that I work with. We have to learn to look at the disappearing friendships and family relationships as a normal part of getting healthy and clearing out toxic and dysfunctional relationships. The alcoholic who gets sober is a great example. He will have a difficult time holding on to the friendships he had with his drinking buddies. They want to continue with the status quo and he's no longer drinking or hanging out at the bars. The drinking buddies also don't want to look at their own drinking as being a problem, so they don't have a lot of support or patience for recovery programs. Therefore, the recovering alcoholic needs to foster new friendships, maybe with some of his recovery companions to begin with. And then when he has a degree of recovery under his belt, he can move beyond the recovery support and develop new, healthier relationships with others. It's really no different for a codependent. When the codependent gets into recovery and starts to heal, the old dynamic doesn't work anymore. Therefore, those who are dependent upon the dysfunctional dynamics will either walk away from the recovering codependent, or the recovering codependent will be the one who walks away. It's important that a recovering codependent sheds his or her victim identity. He or she needs to recognize that it's his or her own dysfunctional upbringing that created the codependent behavior in the first place. It's the codependency that is responsible for that person unconsciously choosing toxic relationships 
And if the codependent holds too strongly to his or her victim identity, there can be no recovery. This is why I try and get people coming out of narcissistically abusive relationships to focus on themselves and their own healing, rather than spending their days and nights researching narcissism and focusing on the narcissist. This dynamic merely continues the outer focus. As recovering codependents, we have to acknowledge that although we may have been victimized in a relationship, It was likely our own codependency that kept us there. Instead of leaving a toxic relationship where we were being victimized, we tried to change or fix it. In order to heal, we need to take complete responsibility for our side of the fence. We need to understand the dynamic and how our behavior is instrumental in perpetuating the dysfunctional relationship. Now, I'm not saying that a codependent in any way is responsible for the alcoholic drinking or the narcissist acting out. There are three C's of codependency. I talked about this in an earlier episode. In the three C's of codependency, you didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you can't cure it. The alcoholism, drug addiction, sex addiction, or narcissism is about that person, not you. It's not your fault that the narcissist is a narcissist. He was a narcissist long before you ever entered the picture. The other important thing to remember is that you can't control or manage another person's behavior. It is typical we walk on eggshells trying not to do or say the wrong thing to prevent an outburst in the other But inevitably, it doesn't matter what you do or don't do. That person is going to explode or drink or drug or act out. You can't control this. You also can't cure it. If that person isn't interested in getting into recovery or addressing the issues, there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. You can't ever fix another person. That person needs to take responsibility for himself or herself. So knowing you can't control, fix, or heal another, and you're not to blame for who they are, there's only one option, and that is to bring your attention back to yourself. You can heal yourself. You can change your own behavior. And as you change your behavior, you change the people you allow into your life. You need to recognize that if you're feeling strongly dependent upon another for approval, validation, attention, or love, this is your codependency. You may feel very strongly that you need these goods from the other, but the deeper truth is you don't. You're strong enough to stand on your own, even if you don't feel that way right now. If you need help, get therapy, or join a 12-step program, but resist any urge to beg back your abuser or say yes when your abuser begs you back. The narcissist or addict often has a dependency on you as well because you played a role in his or her life. And your continuing to play that role is enabling that person and preventing him or her from getting the help 
that they need. I realize the narcissist will never likely get the help they need or get better, but you're still enabling by continuing to play the role that you've been playing. Being a whipping post is enabling. Being willing to accept belittling verbal, emotional, or physical abuse is enabling. Being a caretaker to the needs of the other is enabling. Preventing that person from learning how to take care of his or her own needs. Learning to acknowledge and care for your own needs is recovery. Focusing on yourself is recovery. Being willing to take responsibility for your own feelings and core wounds is recovery. Being willing to take responsibility for your part in the toxic dance is recovery. Recovery is a long process and it takes time. Be willing to commit to yourself and your own journey. If you find yourself without a relationship, this is good and necessary right now. Instead of trying to find another relationship to fill the emptiness in you, focus on filling your own emptiness by understanding what it is, what's going on inside of you. With enough time and attention to yourself, you can build a strong foundation to stand on that will be sturdy enough to support you when you find yourself in unhealthy situations. You will learn to rely upon yourself to the point where you will choose yourself over another unhealthy relationship. You may still get involved with people who try and pull you into dysfunctional dynamics, but when you have the inner strength and knowledge, you can pull away rather than become enmeshed in these dynamics. This is the true road to recovery. Embrace the path back to self. Embrace self-love and you will stand strong either with or without a partner. I want to thank you so much for listening today. If you would like help in your recovery or would like to know more about my work, please visit my website at NarcissismFree.com. Have a great day and we'll see you in the next podcast.